Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. How beautiful are your feet? Let me, I'm guessing that after last week, you all saw your feet differently this week. You kicked the socks and shoes off and went, look at those beauties. These are beautiful feet. No, no, maybe you didn't do that. Maybe some of you did. All right. We look at it a little bit differently, though. Our examination is not particularly about feet. It's what our feet are doing. They are bringing good news. And what we see through this book of Acts that we're just beginning to study together is God's uh, movement, God's missionary movement in the world is, is taking place. And we get to be a part of that. How incredible is that, right? You and I get to be a part of that. Before we jump into uh, our message for this morning, just want to touch base on a, a couple of things, uh, reiterating some things maybe that Dave uh, did touch on also. Uh, if you're look, like looking for what's going on around here and how you get to be a part of it, go to our website, centerpointnh.org. Click under what's happening and you're going to see uh, the stuff that's going on uh, real soon that you get to be a part of. If you'd rather have a printed copy of that, we've got those in the foyer. Kind of go out these doors, bank right before you head out the doors into the parking lot and you'll see them on the wall there. All right, so if you'd rather have a printed copy, you can check that out on your way out after the service. And I want to pause and, and give you thanks for the ways you have responded in incredible generosity. We've put out there the invitation for you to be a part of uh, what, um, what the, the mission trip is going to be a part of and God's ministry in Mexico through the bolts. And you have responded with incredible generosity. The uh, project aspect of the mission trip that's going to take place in August is funded. The individual support raising is yet to come, but the project portion of that is funded by you and your generosity. Uh, we had talked about the opportunity to support the bolts by helping them buy a van that is much needed and put out there just last week. We're almost there and you responded responded incredibly generously. And so I want to say thank you for that. This is, these are the ways that we get to be a part of what God is doing as he spreads his mission around the world. And you're a huge part of that, right? This is something that we do together as his body. So thank you for responding the way you have. This is who we know you to be, generous people, because we worship a generous God. So thank you for that in the ways that you've been a part of it. Uh, let me pause and pray for us, and we'll read our scripture together. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for today, even knowing that uh, rain nourishes the earth in good ways for us, and we are thankful for the ways that you provide that. It makes for good napping days. We stay inside, but we need this. So thank you for providing your rain. Thank you for the ways that you have provided for us in other ways also. We are grateful to you. We recognize that your hand is at work all around us, and we want to see that uh, more and more in our lives, not just as something we do on the side, but integrated into the fullness of our lives. We want to see you, Father, and so help us to do that. Even today, as we study your word, we open ourselves up to you, and we ask that you, by the power of your spirit, would give us eyes to see uh, maybe we, we don't normally see things uh, as we read scripture, as we study together, as we look at the world around us. Uh, we easily miss things, uh, but we ask that you would help us to see. Uh, would you give us your eyes? Uh, would you help us to hear by the power of your spirit? Would you open our deaf ears that we can hear, hear you, 
And then in all of these things, we want to be good, healthy recipients of your word that you might bear fruit in our lives. And so would you um, break up crusty earth of our souls that we might be good soil as we receive your word today, uh, that you might grow in us and, and that, that we might bear fruit that brings honor and glory to your name for, for your glory and for our good. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Okay, we are going to uh, pick up reading where we left off last week, and uh, we're going to start at Acts chapter 2. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me. You can look on your phones if you want to. You can follow along on the screens, but my encouragement is always to have something in front of you, a paper or your phone or a tablet or something, uh, because this allows you to kind of flip around and look at context, and, and as you take time on your own time, uh, kind of helps you know where we are in things. And we're taking a, a bunch of weeks to, uh, to look at the book of Acts and see how God is a missionary God and how we are a part of that. And one of the things that I'd encourage you to do is to read it. And maybe over the course of the next week, you just read a chapter a day and make your way through Acts as we uh, talk about it week after week. But it's just, again, a good way for you to get it into you and you can read uh, before we get there and talk about it. All right, so throwing that out there while you're looking for Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Listen to this, and we're going to read through verse 21. So we're going to read a, a, a good section here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and other parts uh, near Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What a great question. Some, however, made fun of them, said they just had too much wine. Then, verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he quotes the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. 
I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, listen, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is just the beginning of his address to the crowd. We're going to talk, we're going to pick it up next week with the rest of the address. But I want us to stop there uh, today, all right? As we consider what was going on here at Pentecost. Like Jesus said, this is what was going to happen. He's like, go in Jerusalem, you wait. The, the starting gun of the mission is going to be when you receive power through the Spirit. And now, here on the day of Pentecost, Jesus has given them And Jesus has given us the good gift of his spirit. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus has given us the good gift of his spirit. And his spirit is the power we need to bear witness to the good news of Jesus. So our New life commission is to be witnesses of the good news of Jesus. How do we do it? We feel so inadequate so often to the task, don't we? I'm not sure what I'm going to say. I'm not sure I'm going to recognize the moment. I'm not sure that I can do this. Like we all have those questions. The power that we have to accomplish the mission is given to us as a good gift by Jesus himself. And it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rounds out the Trinity. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And so when we experience God, when we have these moments in our lives where we experience God, that's that's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're not sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. It's a theological construct that that a lot of us who are Christians will affirm. There are some uh, in the Christian world that will say, yes, technically the Holy Spirit is real, uh, but he doesn't do the stuff that we think he does. They kind of hold him at arm's length. They feel like he's dangerous. In some ways, maybe he is. And so out of that fear, kind of hold him over here, put him in the the back room where visitors won't notice him. We've also probably seen people who just frankly seem out of their mind and they blame it on the Holy Spirit. And, and so in this over-exuberance, this, this strangeness that, that really isn't even anchored in the truth of God revealed through the Spirit in Scripture, uh, we, we, we see this happen over here too. And so we're, we're left so often with our images that pull between this over-exuberance emotionalism or this stoic dismissal of the Holy Spirit. But what we're invited into is to receive this life that he gives us through the Spirit. There is no, listen, there is no Christian life without the filling of the Holy Spirit. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And so what we get out of this is this picture uh, about how the Holy Spirit is introduced in a fresh way into the story of God that unfolds in time and space and includes us. This doesn't give us everything about the Holy Spirit, but it gives us so much. Notice it kicks right off the bat here and it talks about when the day of Pentecost came. Like Pentecost, it, it's often the thing that we associate that, that began on this day when the Holy Spirit came. 
But Pentecost existed before this day. Like, it, it was a thing, Pentecost. And so what, what is this Pentecost? It, it carries with it a couple of things. One of them is this festival of Pentecost is also called the Festival of Weeks. It was a celebration of the first fruits from, uh, from the crops. And so we hear all of these people, it was uh, claimed that there was maybe even a million extra people in Jerusalem for this festival. It's just a little bit after Passover, 50 days after Passover, but here we are, the, the, the celebration, the Feast of Weeks is taking place. And so tons of people are flooding into, from all over, into Jerusalem when God does this thing on Pentecost. And so at, uh, Pentecost is the Festival of Weeks, this celebration of the first fruits. And a prayer for blessing, for God's blessing on the rest of the crops. It also is tied to uh, the giving of the law to Moses on Sinai. Now, we're not going to read this, but you can, I invite you to go back to there, back to uh, Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, after God had rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, which was, this is going to ring a bell to you probably, was Passover. Right? God's deliverance in Passover brought his people out of, slavery into Egypt, uh, out of slavery in Egypt and they're into the wilderness and God leads them to the base of Mount Sinai. It took them uh, 50 days to get there. Penta, 50 days. So 50 days, approximately 50 days after Passover, they're at the base of Mount Sinai. So again, we just celebrated Passover. For us, it's um, things like uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, then Easter, like that's right in that Passover time frame. And then 50 days after that is this festival of weeks, Pentecost, Penta, right? And so it's this uh, time to remember God's giving of his rules of life. And so Moses uh, goes up to meet God. So God comes down and rests on the top of Mount Sinai. And you'll read this in Exodus 19. Moses goes up to meet with God. And he comes down with God's life rules, the covenant commandments. This is what life with me looks like, right? Because the covenant of God is, uh, I, I will be your God, you will be my people, Right, This relational covenant with God. And so Moses goes up, receives the gift of this uh, covenant law from, from God. He brings it down to the people uh, on tablets of stone. Uh, took a couple of times to do, and won't go into all the story on that one, but you'll want to read that. And so we've got these tablets of the law written on stone. Now this is significant. What we see here is Jesus going up. Jesus oftentimes even referred to as the new Moses. He goes up, ascends, we talked about that last week, and down comes the Holy Spirit, the way of life with God. And so we begin to see this picture emerging. God is not doing this by accident on Pentecost. In the very moment where their hearts are attuned to how God as Jew, God gave them as Israelites, as Jews, he gave them Life at Sinai. And now he is giving them life through his very spirit. Now, can we equate those things? Can we, do we see those things? Well, uh, the prophet Ezekiel invites us in. And again, as good Jewish faithful uh, people, their minds would have gone to Ezekiel in this. And so I do want to turn and read Ezekiel 
Ezekiel chapter 36. And so the prophet is talking about restoration from exile. Slavery in Egypt, exile, God's Passover rescue, drawing them out, and then giving them the rule, the covenant rule of life on Sinai. Moses goes up, the law comes down uh, through Moses. Now listen to what he says. We're not going to read all of this, uh, but we're going to start at verse 24. Uh, Chapter 36, verse 24. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. For I will take you out of the nations, right, reclaiming from exile. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land, the land of promise. Listen to this, verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, right? So the cleansing, what did Jesus do? Forgiveness of sins purified us from sin through his sacrificial death on the cross and resurrection. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. Covenant language right there. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. Feast of weeks. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds. You will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. This calling of repentance. This is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. Right, This renewal of what God is doing, it's the mark of his kingdom is renewal. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabitants. Then the nations around you will... that that around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. I know that's a big, long section there in the prophet Ezekiel, isn't it? But it's so important. Are you seeing these themes that are developed there? So God gave the covenant law to Moses. Moses goes up, law comes down on tablets of stone. Israel broke the commandments of the covenant and were sent into exile because they were hard-hearted towards God. That's what, our, that's what sin does to us. That's what it looks like when we rebel against God. He gives us over that we might be consumed by a hard heart, a stony hard heart. And then he's talking through the prophet and says, I will cleanse your sin. I will rescue you from the land of exile. I'll bring you into the land of promise. The land of promise isn't about the land. It's about the presence of God. I will bring you into my presence. You have rejected me. I will cleanse you and draw you into my presence. I will cleanse you, make you pure once again. And then what he says, I will 
I will write my law on your hearts. I will change your hearts of stone to become hearts of flesh. And God's doing it right here on Pentecost. And all the while God's looking at, notice the, the themes through the prophet Isaiah. And these are themes that are woven throughout the entire scriptures about when God saves, it's a, it's a salvation of renewal. It's a forgiveness of sin uh, for those who are repentant. It's a rescue from the bondage of, of the idols that hold us slaves in exile. It's a rescue and drawing into his presence. And in his presence is a renewal of the creation that God has intended. That which was desolate and laid waste will be renewed. It will flourish so much so that the people, the nations who pass by and look at that which was once barren land say, look, it is flourishing in abundance. It is like the Garden of Eden. And what's significant about the Garden of Eden? All the way woven this thread through scriptures is this is the place where God dwells with his creation in newness, in abundance, in beauty, in love, and peace. When all things are shalom and made as they are. So all these things are wrapped up into this moment of Pentecost. And so when, when Luke writes, the day of Pentecost came, he's packing all of these pieces into this. And then what we see as Pentecost comes is uh, verse uh, 2 and 3. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. A little bit freaky. Can we... Can we admit this? This is a little bit freaky. They had not experienced this before. Here they are. They're gathered. They were told to wait. They were here together. And then they hear this sound filling the home like a violent wind. Have you ever had those moments where you're sitting in your house and the wind is just violently swirling all around? You know, we've got these big trees in our backyard. Uh, you probably do too. It's New Hampshire. We all have big trees in our ears. And, and so you see these massive pines begin to sway and you're like, which one's going to come crashing through the house? It's a fearsome thing when the wind howls. You know, I try to take my dog out at night to, you know, to, be outside and the wind howls and she stops and she looks she feels this fearsomeness of this wind rushing that's what they heard imagine into the quietness and silence of your family meal and all of a sudden this huge sound of wind rushing through your house this is what they heard and then they see and it's just describe it like what looks like tongues of fire that come down and fire comes I don't know if it was like lightning strikes but you can begin to imagine like lightning or these tongues of fire that come down and, and scatter about it could be like uh, but I doubt it was like a little big lighter like it was, again, this massive thing that was taking place here, this violent wind and the, what looked like flames touching down on each of them. And so what we see, like, this is God's presence. Let there be no mistake. This is God's very presence. As Moses headed up onto Mount Sinai, the, the mountain shook as the wind blew and the thunder rolled. 
the mountain itself shook and the people at the bottom were so afraid they recognized the presence of God. As Moses, prior to this point, was out in his wilderness, kind of, he was in his exile, and he approaches a, a bush that was on fire but not being consumed. And when he sees the fire, he knows he's on holy ground. And what does he do? He kicks off his feet and he shoes and he worships because he's on holy ground. When, when there's rushing wind, when there's fire, it's the very presence of God. God's presence followed his people in a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, the presence of God. So let's be clear what's happening in this moment in the fulfillment of the promise of God, the covenant promise of God that he showed through uh, Moses on Sinai, through his promise that had emerged through the prophet Ezekiel, here in this moment, God's presence is making himself known. And it touched on all the people. And it begs the question, like there was such a racket that the people walking by heard it. And as the tongues of fire settled on each of them, they began to speak in a language that they didn't know. Again, we so, for those of us, particularly who've been Christians for a long time, those of you who are new to Christ, like you don't let us, don't let us do this to you because many of us as Christians, we take God and we put him in our box and we look for him to be contained. And we avoid the awesome fury of the presence of God. But this God is still present and active in his world. And he is a missionary God expressed through his missionary spirit. And it begs the question, what does this mean? There's the signs and wonders of the, the, the wind and the fire. And I love the question that's asked. Whenever scripture asks us a question, we should stop and pay attention. What does this mean? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, gets up and he speaks. And as he speaks, he's telling them what this means. And he tells them by quoting the prophet Joel. See, this is why it's so important for us to look at scripture. God is weaving himself in his revelation throughout scripture. And so often what we do is we just take this little bite, and we take this little bite, and we take this little bite, and we don't connect dots. But when we begin to see the dots connecting, we see how beautiful and good and massive and powerful God is. That he has been at work. Because don't we ask ourselves the question, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something? God, if you're good, you would do something about this world. God, if you are powerful, you would do something about this messed up world. And when we begin to connect these dots and we begin to see what God is doing throughout the arc of human history, we begin to see that his answer is, I am. God, why aren't you, why aren't you working to fix this? I am. God, why aren't you being loving? He says, I am. God, why aren't you unleashing your power? He says, I am. Let us not be merely theoretical about what's happening, 
but let us stand in the wind. Let us stand in the blowing, howling wind of his spirit that we might be captured by his presence and empowered by his spirit that we might bear witness to who he is. And so Peter um, tells them what's happening here by reading Joel, and I want to read it again here, all right? In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below and blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls, listen, and every Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Notice how he says this here. God says, in last days, I will pour out my spirit. So here we are at Pentecost. That's, that's a cue for us. We often think of last days as the, as, as the time that is yet to come. But friends, the last days are the time that is already here. The mark of the last days is the coming of the Holy Spirit. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. And listen to what he says. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters. Like this is incredibly uh, prophetic from the prophet in this day. Like women had no standing in this culture. And yet here we are. I will pour out my spirit on all people, on men and women, on your sons and daughters, on your servants. Like there is no human boundary that the powerful presence of God will not break through to accomplish his purposes. God's spirit rests on all people. Before this time, it seemed like God's spirit was present, but it would just rest on some. It would rest on the prophet. It would rest on the anointed one, the kings. It would rest on um, uh, the, the priests. But it was not for all the people. But things are now flipped. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And he is continuing to do so today. This is the part of the story that our lives are written into. My story and your story is written into this space. The last days. This is how our story connects with God's story. This is true for me, this is true for you. Sometimes what we'll do is we'll look at people who are religious leaders. So we look at a pastor or a preacher, we look at a worship leader like Tyler, and, and, and we say, those people have got the Holy Spirit, but I'm, I'm just a, an accountant, or I'm just a, a teacher, or I just kind of do my thing. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good. Right? The Holy Spirit breaks down those walls. And draws all people into himself through his powerful, enduring presence. The call of being a witness is not for a select few. The call for, to be witnesses is for all who have come to him by faith. Who are living in his salvation, his rescue and new life. All of us are commissioned as witnesses and all of us are empowered to be said witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, even as we look at this, like the Holy Spirit, there are times, and we, and we see this throughout the scriptures, where God's presence, where God's showing up, makes quite a ruckus, right? Like on, on Pentecost, on the burning bush, on the thunderous mountain shaking. But there are also times that scripture reveals to us that God's presence shows up in a gentle whisper. And so we don't need to be people who chase after the cataclysmic. And anything short of that says God's not here. But rather, we trust that he has promised his spirit to his people. And he has filled us with his spirit by faith. And, and that's what it is to walk in this newness of life, is to walk hand in hand with his spirit. It's the language of Eden. What is Eden? It's where creation and God reside together. It's where heaven and earth come together. What is temple? It's where heaven and earth come together. Who is Jesus? The new temple, the place where heaven and earth comes together. Who are his people? The ones who have been empowered by his spirit, where heaven and earth come together. And this is the day in which we live now. And you and I are invited to live into that place. Challenged to live into that place. So Joel tells us the spirit will be poured out on all people. That God will reveal himself by his spirit. Even in the Old Testament, we see the Trinity at play. That creation will show the evidence of God's salvation. Right? We see these stirrings about the day of the Lord, the sun turned to darkness and the moon to blood, signs in heaven and signs on earth and blood and fire and billows of smoke. All of creation reverberates with the very presence of God. Whether it's through the cataclysmic or through the whisper, his presence is powerful and real. And so let us remind ourselves through the witness that we give and the power of God's spirit. I love this final line here, verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God's plan was always for his rescue, for his salvation to drop down in their midst in Jerusalem, but to spread across the globe to all nations. And this is a reminder for us that God is drawing salvation for all people. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the salvation that he brings us is the forgiveness of sin. Remember, he talked about that. The, the prophet Ezekiel says, I will cleanse you from your idolatrous rebellion and sin. I will cleanse you and wash you clean through the sacrificial blood of Jesus. He has done that in totality, not through a sacrifice that needs to be done over and over and over again, but a sacrifice, the son of God himself that was sacrificed once and for all for the forgiveness of sin. And then in, the, mit, in the, the cleansing, then the renewal comes rushing in. That's what salvation looks like. Forgiveness of sin and renewal of life. And how is this life empowered? It is empowered by his Holy Spirit. Jesus has given us the good gift of his spirit. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus has given us the good gift of his spirit. And his spirit is the power we need to live as witnesses 
to the good news of Jesus. This is all that we need. And so as we, as we align ourselves with these things, listen to this. God's renewal plan, God's salvation plan is in action today. We read about something a couple thousand years ago, but God's action plan, God's renewal plan, God's salvation plan is in action today. God's spirit still shakes the earth. God's spirit still settles down on sons and daughters and men and women and servants and royals. God's spirit is for all people and Even to this day, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm -hmm. And the very spirit of God is alive in us today. It activates this new life in us today, right? Moses went up, came down with the law, the rule of life with God. No longer captured on tablets of stone, but touching down in the hearts of men and women, sons and daughters, servants and royals. He has cleansed us from our idolatrous sin. And he has poured his new life into us, turned our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. He guides and directs the mission of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. It guides the mission of God and does so through being alive in his people. The Holy Spirit draws us into his holiness. It empowers us to say no to sin and temptation, that we might live in a new way, no longer captured in a land of exile but freed in the land of promise where God walks with his people through his presence. And it's his spirit that empowers this holiness, the victory over sin, and holds in us the promise of victory over death in our resurrection and new heaven, new earth. This is what the Holy Spirit does without him There is nothing. This is who God is. He has come near. And he empowers us to live as witness to Jesus in the world in which we live, in the world in which you live. And just merely among these seats, we worship and bear witness together and remind each other who he is and what he has done. And this is a part of it. But everywhere you go, everywhere your feet land, is your mission field. Everywhere your feet land is the mission field. And as you bear witness to the good news of Jesus, your feet are beautiful. And so we ask ourselves these questions. What have we seen him do? How have we seen God show up? A prayer that God delights to answer in your life is a simple prayer of God, show me you. Show me you. Open my eyes to see you. And as you pray that prayer, he will open your eyes that you might more clearly see him. Some of those things that you might initially brush off as coincidence or hmm, you begin to see as the very fingerprints of God 
present in our world? Where do you see God at work in your world? What is God doing in you? What is God doing in you this last week? What is God doing in you this last month? How have you experienced him? Sometimes one of the reasons we're so afraid of bearing witness to Jesus is because the best thing, the only thing we can really point to is God did something in my life a couple of decades ago. That seemed good. But we've so lost sight of what he's doing in our lives now. What is God doing in your life now? These are questions that open us up to his presence and to see him more clearly, to call out to him as we walk with him every day. Let's be a people who open ourselves up with eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are softened. All of this a work of his Holy Spirit settling down on us. Because he's continually drawing us in to walk with him in this new life. Is it the end of the story? Absolutely not. Upon his return, it will be glorious and complete. But until that day we walk with him, he has given us his spirit. And that is the power of the witnesses today, tomorrow, until he returns. Let me pray for us. Father, give us your spirit. Renew in us an awareness of your spirit alive in us. Forgive us for the ways that we have become dull, blind and deaf to you. Awaken us through your spirit. Be that through your gentle whisper or through the rushing wind and falling fire. God, without an awareness of you, We don't know the way of life. Write your covenant love, write your covenant life on our hearts of flesh that we might walk with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's a lot there to process and take in, isn't there? To think about and because there's implications. Like, like, if this is true, and, and I kind of wouldn't say it if it wasn't, right? So if this is true, the implications on our lives are significant. Let's stand together. The beginning point of this new life with Christ is trust in him. That you would receive for yourself the cleansing of his spirit. Hear those words in Ezekiel, I will wash you clean. I will wash you with water. I will remove from you the stain of your sinful rebellion. And if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus and to receive his gift of purifying forgiveness, you can do that today. You don't need to carry the burden of your own sin and rebellion against God another moment. Our prayer team is going to be up here. And you just come up and say, I want Jesus. And they're going to take it from there. That you might know this new life. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. May that salvation be yours. And may you be confident in it before you go. And as you go, you go into your missionary field empowered by his Holy Spirit. If you are his, 
His spirit is in you. Pray that he would show you today, tomorrow, and every day after his presence. May you walk with him. May you know his power. May you know his peace. May you know his joyful presence and his unending love for you as you go. And look down. Those feet are beautiful. For beautiful are the feet of the ones who bring good news. May your week be filled with beautiful feet. Take care. We'll see you next week. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.